Scripture reading this morning will be from 1 Peter chapter 5, 8 through 11. I'm reading from the New Century Version. Control yourselves and be careful. The devil, your enemy, goes around like a roaring lion looking for someone to eat. Refuse to give in to him by standing firm in your faith. You know that your Christian family all over the world is suffering the same kinds of suffering. After you've suffered for a short time, God, who gives all grace, will make everything right. He will make you strong and support you and keep you from failing. He called you to share in the glory of Christ, a glory that will continue forever. All power is forever and ever in him. Amen. Good morning, church. Thank you so much for being with us today, especially if you're visiting, we'd like to ask that you will stay around a little while after our services so that we might get to know you. I'm thankful to have my mom and dad with me for, with us and our family for the first time since we've been here, so we're thankful for that. We're thankful for all, for all of you that are visiting. We'd like to uh, get to know you a little better. We'd also like to encourage all of us. I don't know if you know it. I'm sure you do. I've heard a lot talk about it. But there is a lot of energy in our church family right now. In fact, there are people meeting. The, the leadership is meeting, talking about ways that, that we can encourage one another, ways that we can reach out to our community. And I want to remind you about a special meeting this afternoon, especially for our parents and our young people. This afternoon at 4.30 in the youth suite, uh, for all parents and youth, uh, we're going to have a planning session. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful to be able to work with Dustin and Nicole, and uh, Dustin's doing a great job, has a great heart for young people, and so uh, I want to encourage us as parents, he needs our help. And so please make sure, young people and parents, you're a part of this meeting this afternoon at 4.30 in the youth suite. I also hope that you've had an opportunity to pick up a, an announcement sheet. I just want to touch on a few of those things. I want to encourage you to continue praying for our young people. Uh, pray for uh, our Love and Learn School. Uh, pray for all of our young people throughout our school system and all the adults that are involved in our school system. We had several opportunities of prayer last week, and that went great, and I want to thank you for being a part of that. But I want to encourage you to keep praying for our adults and our young people that are involved in our schools. Megan Williams handed me a note, and I want to share this with you uh, about an announcement of something that she's encouraging us to be a part of. This Tuesday, August the 9th, we will be meeting at George Williams' graveside to let red balloons go with notes to George attached. If you're able to come, please come and wear your George shirts. We'll meet at 4.30 Tuesday. 4.30 this Tuesday at his graveside. Uh, Tuesday will be the one-year uh, anniversary of his passing, and Megan wanted to do something special, so if you can all uh, at all be a part of that, that's this Tuesday at 4.30. I also want to uh, remind you that we'll be meeting again this, sun, this evening at 6 p.m. I want to encourage all of you to, to come back and be a part of that. On August the 25th, there's going to be an Apologetics Press benefit dinner. 
uh, up at Henderson Church of Christ in Henderson, Tennessee. Uh, I've had the opportunity to be around some of these guys, particularly Kyle Butt, while being in the Florence area. And these guys do a tremendous, tremendous job. And you, you would do well to be a part of this benefit dinner and learn about all the things that they're doing. Uh, or you can go to their website, apologeticspress.com. All kinds of material that's been written, written on apologetics and evidences. If you have questions about that, go to their website. They've done a lot of research on that. And I'll, I want to encourage you to, to be a part of that if you can. Thank you again for being here. And thank you again for the opportunity to come together and worship God. Again, if you're visiting, thank you. We don't have to look around far, do we? To know that Satan's at work. I mean, you just turn on the television, right? And we can see Satan is at work. Walk down the halls of the school and we can see Satan is at work. Walk down the halls of our businesses and we can see that Satan is at work. All over our world all over our nation, in our towns, in our communities, in our cities, we see that Satan is at work. In some of our families, we can see the evidence of Satan being at work. You see, Satan wants to deceive us. Satan wants to distract us. Satan wants to divide us. Satan, here it is, if you will, Satan wants to own us. And he is at work. In fact, if we think about all the problems in the world, uh, the result is the work of Satan. If we see the problems in our lives, generally the work is of Satan. Satan has always been at work. Think back in your minds, back to the book of Genesis chapter 3. Do you remember there in the Garden of Eden what Satan did to Adam and Eve? Satan came to them with their own desires. You can be like God. You see, he used a form of deception that he carried over all through the Old Testament, even into the New Testament in Matthew chapter 4 in the the temptation of Jesus. And he used these forms of deception. But we know our Lord and Savior overcame that. What an example for us. You know, Satan still does that today. He still uses those forms of deception. Wouldn't it be, oh, I wish... I wish it was so easy that Satan would walk into my life with a pitchfork dressed in red and horns. I would know, stay away. But he doesn't work that way, does he? We know that's not the way Satan works. Before before he sneaks into our lives and he begins with these little forms of deception, just like he did with Adam and Eve, Just like He's done all through Scripture. And He's still doing it today. You know, you think about it, football season's coming up, aren't you excited? Now when these teams get ready to go play their opponent, opponent, what have they done? They have watched film. They know their tendencies. They know what they need to do. And they coach their teams to be ready for their tendencies, to be ready for the plays that they do. And sometimes they still come up short. 
Same with us. We know what Satan tries to do. And we know that it's difficult many times to overcome and avoid those schemes. And so this morning we're going to look at some of these things. We're going to look at what Peter says about Satan and about his tricks and how we might overcome that. I found it interesting that during the time Peter's writing this book, that the people there are dealing with suffering. But they're not dealing with suffering that would threaten their life. Not really even the suffering that would be like Paul and some of the other apostles of being thrown in jail, at least not at that time yet. Peter would give us some indication of some of these sufferings. I want you to notice a couple of those. In 1 Peter, hold your finger there in chapter 5, but I want you to turn over to chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12. Peter says, Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of salvation. Also chapter 3 and verse 16. Having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. So Peter lets us in to know the kind of suffering suffering that they're dealing with. They are slandering these Christians. Satan is a slanderer himself. They are slandering these Christians, speaking evil of them, even when they're trying to do good and live right. And Peter reminds them, you continue to live these kind of lives so that when these people are slandering you, when these people are speaking evil of you, trying to make you as evildoers, that God will be glorified and they will be ashamed. Wow! Now we talk about Christian suffering... And we can see a lot of suffering going on in the world. But when I read what's happening in Peter's day, it hits home. Especially in our day, we are beginning to see the world slander Christians. And it's the work of Satan... And the world is trying to get us to cave in and give in, just like it was doing in the day Peter was writing to these people. And Peter says, you keep on. When they're making fun of you, when they're talking bad of you, when they're trying to make you out as the evildoers, you keep on because God will be glorified and there will come a day where they will be ashamed. in the middle of life like this for the Christians that Peter writes this book and that Peter reveals who Satan is. A lot of people don't believe in Satan, but Satan is real. You read Scripture, Satan is real. He 
Satan is around. He is knocking. No, not knocking. He is close, waiting for the opportune time. Paul would write a similar thing to the church at Ephesus. In the book of Ephesus, chapter 6, verses 10 and 12, 10 through 12, he would say, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the tricks of the devil. Peter knew it. Paul knew it and they both wrote about it. They said Satan is there, Satan is working, and he's waiting for the opportune time. So you be ready. Let's take note and look at some things that Peter tells us about Satan. Let's just spend a moment and look at Satan. You see, what we need to remember is Satan is our enemy. Satan is the enemy. Peter would say, you watch out because the devil, your adversary, he's after you. He is the adversary. He is the enemy. And whatever he seeks to do in our life, He only means harm. Oh yeah, He tries to make it great. He tries to make it look pleasurable. He tries to make it look like you are free. But you remember deception? That's exactly what He wants us to believe. And Peter calls him the enemy, your adversary. And he's been acting this way since the beginning of time. Satan wants to own us. He is the enemy. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 13 when Jesus tells the the parable of the wheat and the tares? And and in that parable, uh, the, uh, the servants, they come back to the owner and they said, didn't you plant good seed? And so why when the good seed came up, also weeds, tares have come up? And then He gives the answer to the disciples who asked, explain this parable to us. Verse 37 of Matthew chapter 13. He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Jesus Himself said the enemy is the devil. And Peter reiterates that, calls him the adversary. But Peter also says what Satan is trying to do. Like a lion. He's prowling around, seeking who he may... No, Satan wouldn't say this. 
The world wouldn't say this. Seeking whom he may devour. Do you like watching those animal shows? And when they're talking about the animals and when they talk about the king of the jungle and when they're out in those jungles and they're watching their prey, a group of other animals, they're hungry, they're waiting to feed. You remember what happens in the animal kingdom when the king of the jungle is waiting for that prey? They generally don't go for the whole group, do they? They stay on the outskirts, prowling, low, waiting for that opportune time. And then they notice one trailing behind. And they wait when that one trailing behind is far enough from the group. And they prounce. And Peter gives us this idea. That's the way Satan works. That's the way he's lurking around in our lives. Oh sure, Satan doesn't mind that you're here today. Satan's like, sure, go to church. That's okay because I'm waiting for the opportune time. Satan is the original terrorist. He can wait, and he can wait, and he can wait. Because he's looking for that opportune moment. Waiting to pronounce. Peter says he's like a lion. He's waiting on that opportunity. Satan wants to devour our souls. Satan wants to devour the souls of mankind. You see, the reality is Satan doesn't care about us. Only that he wants our soul. Satan wants the souls of mankind to spend eternity in a devil's hell. And that's what he's waiting for. And that's what he's trying to deceive us with and pull us away and lure us from the crowd of Christians. You see, to, to devour means to destroy, to prey on, and that's exactly what Satan does. Listen to some other verses from the Bible that talk about devour. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 12. The Bible says the Syrians before and the Philistines behind, and they shall devour Israel with an open mouth. Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 14, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, Scribes and Pharisees, they were religious people. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses. He would say in Luke chapter 8 and verse 5, A sower went out to sow seed. As he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down. And the birds of the air devoured it. And that's the picture that we have of Satan. That he wants to devour Christians. 
You see, He already has those people out in the world. He already has their souls. God wishes that none should perish. That's why we need to go out and we need to share the message of Jesus Christ to show true freedom in our life and talk about true freedom in the life of a Christian so we can pull them out or God can pull them out of the world by their obedience to Him. So then what is it we are to do? Satan's the enemy. He's seeking to devour us. What are we to do? Peter gives it to us. Look at verse 6. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. Peter says, humble yourselves before God. It describes an attitude of one who submits to authority over Him. Peter says that authority in the life of a Christian is Almighty God. Listen to the way one person put it about this. The root of human rebellion against God from the beginning has been the unwillingness to humble under the mighty hand of God. The passage implies that God calls on His people for more than just passive, grudging obedience. God wants the active participation of His people. He wants their willing trust. He wants their faith. The alternative is to exalt oneself before God and to face His judgment. In the first century pagan world, the idea of submission was not looked on highly. In fact, it was looked on very similar to our world today as a sign of weakness. You see, submission was only done by the involuntary means of a slave. And out in our world, it's equally looked on as weakness. But you know, Paul would say it this way. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Romans chapter 6. In other words, Paul said the reality is you will submit to someone. That's what slaves do. And God has created us in a way where we get to choose. And Paul says either you will submit to Satan or you will submit to God. What a message for us to declare to the world. Not through violence, but through a life of submission to Almighty God. To remind the world, you will submit to someone. I choose, like Joshua, I choose to submit to Almighty God. Paul would say it this way in Philippians chapter 2. Verses 5 and following. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Christ had this mind. Some versions would say attitude. 
who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Peter says if you want to overcome Satan, you start by being humble. Being humble and submissive before God. But then in verse 8 he says, be sober, be vigilant. Have a spirit of soberness. What does that mean? You got it. Do not be intoxicated. I like the way one gentleman put it. It is often used in the sense of being well-balanced or self-controlled. In fact, your version may say, be self-controlled. He goes on to say, to have a sober spirit, here it is, is not the same as being gloomy, never smiling, finding no joy in life. What it does mean is that a human life means something. It means something. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 and following, Paul would say, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Another gentleman says this, it includes ordering and balancing life's important issues, which requires discipline of mind and body that avoids the intoxicating allurements of the world. Peter says, Satan is the enemy. You be watchful because his lures, his allures are intoxicating. Paul would say, be filled with the Spirit. Be disciplined in mind and body. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. Peter would say, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. And I want you to, I want you to hear a few of these scriptures we're going to read and realize... The seriousness of Satan's attacks. The seriousness of his temptations. The seriousness of him being there waiting for us. The temptations of the flesh. Luke chapter 21 and verse 34. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with the carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpectedly. Romans chapter 13 and verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3. Set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 6 and following. Paul would say this, Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. 
For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Satan lurks about waiting for that moment like a lion to prounce and devour our souls. Peter says, be watchful, be sober-minded, of sober spirit. In verse 9 he says, resist him. Resist means to take a stand. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58, Paul would say, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. What would Paul suggest to us is a way of overcoming Satan? Is a way of resisting Satan? Is a way of taking a stand against Satan? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Have you ever noticed when you're out working, when there's thing, always things to be done around the house or in your jobs or in school, there's no time to get lured away, is there? There's no time really to be distracted because there's a job to do. And Paul said, the way you resist Satan, abound in the work of the Lord. James chapter 4 and verse 7, James would write, Therefore submit to God, humble yourselves to God, give authority to Him, resist the devil, and He will flee from you. So how do we do that? Matthew chapter 4, you remember what Jesus did? He said, Satan, for it is written. That's how we overcome. To submit to God means that I surrender my will to God. I constantly work at giving Him authority of my life and power over my life. I need to do this often so the devil will flee from me and so that I will be ready when he returns. We also resist him by reading and studying his word as much as possible. Remember, remember what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. The King James Version says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. See, it's important that we spend time listening to God through his word. We also resist Satan by praying, spending time in prayer. That's what people did in Scripture. And we also do that by standing firm in the faith. Peter would say, steadfast in the faith. Daily focusing a life lived in faith so that it will be acceptable to God. Remember what Paul said at the end of his life? I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. It wasn't easy for Paul, but he did. It it may not be easy for us, but we can. One gentleman said it means to continue one's commitment to life on a high moral plane. The confession of Christ requires effort, resistance, and determination. You see, we are the ecclesia. The Greek word for church, which means the called out. And we are called out by God to a higher calling, to a higher purpose. Paul would say in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. The chief of sinners, who knew He was forgiven of His sins, proclaimed Jesus Christ as the Savior. And He said in Philippians 3 and verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm reminded of a story of a little boy who's playing out in the sandbox. Just a few years old. He's out in that sandbox and oh, he's got his group of cars and trucks. He's got his pail and he's got his shiny red plastic shovel. And as he's going through that sandbox and he's making roads and tunnels for his cars and trucks, he comes across in the middle of the sandbox a stone. And he begins to work around the edges of that stone, digging away the sand. And he finally is able to dislodge the stone and he rolls it over to the edge of the sandbox. But he gets it there to the edge and he's not able to lift it over. But that didn't keep him from trying. Oh, he tried with all his might. He pushed and he pulled and he grunted and he tried and tried to lift that rock over the edge of that sandbox. But his only reward was that it kept falling back, landing on his fingers. Finally, he sits down in the middle of the sandbox and he bursts out in the tears. But standing, watching from a distance in the living room window, was his father. And while he's there, crying in tears, he notices this shadow comes over him. And it was his dad. And his dad, in a loving, kind way, but straightforward, he said, Son, why didn't you use all the power that you had available? And the toddler looked up to him and he says, I did, Daddy, I did. I tried with everything I had. And he said, no, son, you didn't. You didn't use all the power that you had available because you didn't ask me. And with that, the father bent down into that sandbox and he picked up that rock and he moved it out of the sandbox. What's the point for us? Satan throws a lot of things in our lives. A lot of temptation. He works on our hearts through deception. Because he wants us to believe that his ways, the ways of the world, that they can be easy. And you see, like Peter said, We need to ask for all the strength and the power we have available. When we submit to God and we ask God, Almighty God, all-powerful, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me on earth and in heaven. And when we ask of that, God can give us protection. God can give us strength. 
God can help us to overcome those acts of deception that Satan brings into our life. This morning, let me ask you a serious question. If you're here today, have you submitted your life to Jesus? You see, all through the book of Acts, well, really through the New Testament, the Bible teaches that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Peter says, if you want to overcome Satan, you have to submit. Have you submitted your life to God? So God in the beginning said, that's your choice. I'm going to give you the way, but it's your choice. Satan doesn't want us to believe, but Jesus would remind us the ways of the world, they're broad and they're easy. But those who choose to submit to God, the way is narrow and can be difficult. But the reward is outstanding. Have you made that decision today? It's our prayer that you will. Like the eunuch asked, there's water. What's hindering you from being buried with Jesus Christ in baptism, submitting to Him to rise in newness of life and go on your way rejoicing, declaring, Jesus, You are my King to a world who may not admit it, but declares Satan is their King. Maybe it is Satan's piled a lot of things in your life and you're carrying a lot of burdens. We want to help you with those burdens today. We want to pray with you and pray for you. If you have a need to respond to the Lord's invitation, don't wait another moment, but come forward and let us assist you any way we can as together we stand and sing.